Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rubrona Podcast. Once again, I'm Musa Konga, joined by Michael De Silva and Ryan Hun. And this week we are talking transfers. Transfers. Transfers, yep. Uh, before really... we begin, yep, before can we I begin. do some admin? You can. Um, I wanted to say we had a, a great response to last week's podcast. So thanks to everyone who tuned in, tweeted us about it. And I think we've got quite a lot of new subscribers. So wanted to do the rating stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. in case people have switched off at the end when good we man, get a little bit man. silly. So if anyone is listening on iTunes or subscribing on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review, preferably five stars, because we are a new up-and-coming podcast, I'd say, and yeah. it does help us grow it. We are the Callum Hudson-Odoi of podcasts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so topical. See what I did there? I like that. Oh my goodness. Segway to transfers and mm-hmm. Mr. Hudson-Odoi could be on his way to Bayern Munich from Chelsea, which would be interesting. I feel like we've been saying this for a while. Yeah, it's turned into a saga, hasn't it? A saga? Listen. Is it a saga yet? Not being funny, hasn't but like transfers are sagas. That's literally the description. <laughs> that's what they are. Yeah. Right? So I'm here, for, right. this, I'm here for this content. No, I'm sorry to be militant, but I'm here for this content. Well, I think hudson Adoy, This is, my personal view is that he should stay at Chelsea. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I disagree. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so. I think he should stay at Chelsea because let's compare him with Sancho. He's kind of like the... The, the, I've got got him in early this week. Um, Sancho left Man City because he didn't have a look in. Right. Like he wasn't even being considered to start. He was behind Phil Foden in the pecking order, and Foden's only played a handful of minutes this season. Right. So the move to Dortmund when they came in for him was logical. It was a logical next step to get playing time, and it's you know it was a it was a risk, but it still made quite a lot of sense in many ways. Hudson-Odoi is getting time at Chelsea. It's not like he's not playing. Right. He's he's getting minutes. He scored a really, really nice goal against Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup. He's not starting Premier League games, okay, but I think his path to to success is in front of him at Chelsea. Ah, but here's the thing. We don't know what he's been offered at Bayern. Now, Bayern have two great <laughs> well, Asian money, strikers. Money always comes into it. But this is, oh, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. And I completely accept that. Having said that, Chelsea obviously care about youth development. That's why they are handing out short-term contracts to people over 30. Mm-hmm. So they do care about his development. There's no question. Mm-hmm. But Bayern really are the prize because they are a transitional point in their history. They've got a new coach with fresh ideas. Kovac is turning things around slowly at Bayern. You've got these two aging wingers right? Robin and Ribery. And then Hudson-Odoi may look at that and be like, this is the kind of gap that a playmaker hasn't seen since Ozil arrived at Madrid. You know, when Ozil got to Madrid, part of the new guard, and at one point Mourinho said, this guy could be the number 10 for Madrid for 10 years. Hudson-Odoi could look at Bayern right now and be like, I could stay at Chelsea and get games here. Sure. But I go to Bayern mm. with this Bundesliga. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a well, ri- there's a chance for it's him. It's a big price. There's a chance for him for sure, but I don't think it's as obvious 
and as because Bayern don't have that track record like Dortmund do of blooding young players. Um, Bayern are at that slightly higher level where you know a bit like Real Madrid or Barca, they buy players that are almost at their their peak. They uh, enjoy the success of that player, at, you know, during their peak years. Hudson Odoi, I think, is going to suffer because Coman's been waiting in the wings already for for years to fill that role. Um, they've got Serge Gnabry, who I think is ready to. I mean, he plays slightly not so. He can play centrally as well, but yeah. they've got Goretzka in the middle. They've just signed Alfonso Davis, young Canadian player, really good prospect, and I just think Odoi. I think he'd get minutes at Bayern, but I just don't think it would be significantly more than what he'll get at Chelsea. But this is the funny thing. and I, lo- I love those. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those reasons are all absolutely solid. At the same time, we look at Sancho and Sancho just kicked the door down. He had Marco Royce, <laughs> yeah. Christian Pulisic. Like yeah. he had this unbelievable pecking and, order. And by the way, I'm, I, I think Hud- if Hudson-Odoi goes to Bayern, I would support the move fully. For sure. And I think, you know, he's he's showing, he would be showing ambition by doing it. Um, my only concern is whether he, he needs to do it. I think Sancho needed to do it. Right. I just don't know. If I think it's a trade-off though, because I think if you look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well, as an example, someone who probably would be able to get, you know, be starting games for a number of top European clubs, I think. Yeah. And it looked as though he was going to get more opportunities this season with Chelsea. Every time he's played, he's played really, really well and he's not really getting a look in again. And I might be wrong, but I can't remember hudson Adoy getting serious game time until a lot of the rumours came out that he was going to go. Hmm. So, I mean, it just depends. If, 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 you, if he wants to be coming off the bench or starting the odd you know, League Cup game or FA Cup game for Chelsea mm. or uh, like you said Musa and like Michael's been saying for ages as well about Sancho is that Sancho's kind of created this example of what how good it can be and often you know the grass can be greener. Mm. The thing is I don't see if he goes to Bayern how it could end up any worse than what his situation is at Chelsea. That's the difference and and, and you know with Ribery and Robin probably done that's a major part of how Bayern play football and I think that he would be a real success there and then his stock just rises in you know the biggest enemy that Chelsea have got right now is that WhatsApp group that we all know exists <laughs> there's a WhatsApp group Sancho is part of it and Reese Nelson's part of it and he's like oh yeah come over to Germany and they're sending him pictures of their trips to Bremen yeah. they're showing the nights out they're like oh yeah we're here we're there we're doing this have you been oh where are you oh we're down by the lakes what we're in the forest what listen that is that WhatsApp group has yeah. to be shut down you better come here before March 29th listen <laughs> <laughs> didn't you say that he's now handed in a transfer request yeah I think that was on Friday Hudson Odoi put in an official transfer request to Chelsea so he's really trying to push through the move the thing is I've got to say about this Chelsea um, for it to get to this point for a player to be coming out and saying so because we all know in football now like for stuff to leak out to this point leaks can be strategic but for it have got to this point where his sense of his prospects have deteriorated so far mm. that he wants to make a move mm. that's a challenge and I've got to say as well about Bayern Bayern they don't. They normally do buy the fully formed players, but when they make long term bets, they make them really smart. Mm. And they did that investment in Javi Martinez. If Javi Martinez wasn't injured, mm-hmm. he'd have been one of the best centre backs and midfielders in Europe. Actually, he was for a period, even with the injuries. Mm-hmm. So when Bayern make a long term, you know, in, not even a bet. They don't do bets. They do investments. <laughs> so they will have approached him not and just with the money, but with a plan. They don't usually spend very much, right? Know, so the kind of thing is their at, their, yeah. their record signing thirty something million. Yeah. One thing I want to say about Hudson Odoi though is that he's, you know, he's not had any loan moves either. 
which mm. is, I think, interesting because, you know, Chelsea are notorious for how many players they have out on loan. And the fact that he's not even had a loan move yet and he seems that quite keen to go, mm. I think is quite interesting. So, I mean, usually you'd see, you see with Reese Nelson, for example, decent loan move to Hoffenheim. Actually, Arsenal could really do with a winger mm. and he'll probably play a major part in, this, in the squad next season. Hudson-Odoi hasn't had that loan move. I mean, he's only 18. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't doubt hudson Adoy's talent. He looks really, really ready to make that step up. But if he was making a move to Gladbach, right. then I'd say 100% go for it. Mm-hmm. You're definitely going to play every single week. I just don't want to see his of course. his development regress. I mean, that is a point. Like, you know, if he's kind of moving from one situation to another, yeah. but it's just in Munich as opposed to London. <laughs> yeah, with a bit more money. It's a gamble, though, isn't it? It's like Bram Diaz going to Madrid from Man City. Bram Diaz is not getting game time at all at City. Mm. Guardiola was a big believer in his talent and then came out with a comment recently going, you know, if a player wants to stay, we can't, you know, we can, but doesn't want to stay, we can't make him stay, which is kind of almost like throwing, mm. <laughs> slightly throwing Bram Diaz under the bus. Yeah. Because if you bought Riyad Mahrez to strengthen your title winning side, you're not going to get many games for Bram Diaz. And so. he played the first game after signing for Real Madrid. Mm. Right, he played exactly. in that game. Exactly. Now, so. now what I think Hudson-Odoi and Bram Diaz have done in very different ways is in terms of the kind of philosophy behind the move, these are very interesting times to move to Real and Bayern. Mm. It's up for grabs. Mm. Absolutely up for grabs. I mean, to an extent, you look at Barcelona now, to move to Barcelona now as a central midfielder, mm-hmm. very different position. Aging Rakitic, well, Frankie de Jong, you know, this is mm. why it's ideal for him at this point because the game time you're going to get, Rafinha's mm. injured, Mm. Coutinho's not quite settling this is the perfect time to, put to it, come in to put it mildly yeah does that make sense so yeah. to come in and do something so I don't know it's um, it, it's fascinating that players are having the bravery to go outside the comfort zones yeah. I think and mm. that is what, something that we all support yeah for yeah. sure for sure that's a good time to mention Diong though huh? yeah well it's the final week of the transfer window so should we rattle through a yeah a let's couple, get into it Frankie of, de Jong talk about that some music behind it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Frankie de Jong is the most Dutch football transfer I can imagine. <laughs> Signed off by Overmars, handing over to his old club Barcelona. And I, I said, I, I think I said to you before, like you can just imagine Johan Cruyff somewhere getting out his chalkboard. <laughs> he can just because it's his thing. Like, and de Jong can play anywhere in the kind. Yeah, of, there's a history of three of Ajax to Barca, right? Similar philosophies as well. It's just so good. It's I just, love it, this signing. I'm ca- so I can't. I, I think I tweeted about it. Just how good a signing this is. Even so for that pure, money, isn't it? it's just mm-hmm. he is such a good football player. And someone who I think could really be like a, without kind of getting too too over the top, but he could be like a transformational signing for Barca. Yeah, agree. Especially yeah, that, that midfield has not really recovered in terms of like the shift that it made once Javi moved on and then Iniesta's role kind of diminished. Mm. I think Rakitic is brilliant. He's just a different kind of midfielder. Yeah. And I think that someone like De Jong, the amount of games that Barcelona play where they don't need a defensive midfielder, he can play the role that, that Busquets plays because there is no replacement for Busquets at Barca. Mm-hmm. And he can play that role. He can play um, Iniesta's old role. He can play where Rakitic is now. I mean, he's just amazing. And I love that sign. It's interesting so how Barcelona evolve over the next kind of three to five years because they've already lost like Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets and... You've got Messi as well. He's 31, I believe. Right. But these are all guys that in the next few years are going to be <clears throat> gone, you know, sadly. Um, and I don't know how... I, I just hope that there's a, a, a plan in place to replace them. But more than that, like a philosophy 
behind it, you know. I'm looking forward to that Barcelona well, look, 2024 Champions League finals midfield with Messi and De Jong and Andre just, Rabiot. Well, Messi's dropping. Like yeah, Messi me- seems to be dropping yeah, deep. Messi will right? end up in midfield. Yeah. Let me jump yeah. in there for a second and look at what Barca have done in terms of renewal mm. and just say, wow. Yeah. Look, Semedo. Mm-hmm. Um, Good goal of the weekend, by the way. Alba's absolutely great First goal, goal, I believe, right? For Barca. Maybe, yeah. Julia Alba's got a while yet to run. You've got, um, and he's actually getting better, Jordi Alba. You have, uh, obviously, Dembele, who is just yeah. nailing it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but on the signing of De Jong, what's fascinating is it kind of makes the Barca philosophy come full circle because after the departure of Iniesta, Valverde did a really smart thing. Mm. He didn't try and replace Iniesta. He basically sacrificed match control for directness, mm. brought in Paulinho. That was actually such a philosophical choice. That was like, we're not going to fill this gap. We're going to add a late runner from midfield and they're not going to be able to work it out. Yeah. And the league, they never worked how to deal with Paulinho. Yeah. Never. They're like, where's this sort of chaotic player That's it. who comes in and just kind of raids? We're expecting a different type of build-up. But what Frankie de Jong is going to do is going to return match control to Barcelona's philosophy. And we haven't seen match control since... You know, Iniesta and Xavi kind of left. But now we've got Arthur and Frankie de Jong. Interesting. That's, yeah. And the real skill is to continue to be successful during that transitional period. Yeah. Mm. Averde does not get enough credit for that yeah. because, of course, Barca have the highest wage from the world and they're Barca. Yeah, but he's a very but, clever manager. I, I love Valverde. I yeah. think he's great. I think he's not, I think he's underrated. Um, and I think, you know, you look at Guardiola wanted him to succeed him uh, when he left Barca because he knew that Valverde was a master of transition. He was mm. someone that could actually build a plane while flying it, if that makes sense. And he's taken over at a time as well, you know, there's been a real lack of top, top quality La Masia graduates. And I think that actually people get a little bit twisted about how how good La Masia is because of that... Um, Freakish generation. That, yeah, that generation that came through that was mm. so good. But never before or since has there been a generation or a class mm. that has produced that many world-class players. So... I mean, I think you're seeing it across all of Europe. I was having a chat with a friend of mine, shouts to Bert, he's actually an Ajax fan, um, this morning. And, and we were kind of talking about, you know, when was the last great Arsenal prospect? It was maybe Jack Wilshire, And that was it, really. So wow. you, you're seeing it through a lot of European football that as everyone's academies have evolved to be top level, yeah. actually producing those players that are that much better than the rest is really, yeah. really difficult. Even at clubs like Barcelona, yeah. that means they have to spend a lot of money. And I think that they've had a few, not missteps, but some that haven't proved to be worth the value yet. But I think someone like De Jong is, is, is great value. Just just one Sorry. quick point on the, you mentioned the academies there. And it's quite interesting. Like as a Spurs fan, I've seen Spurs invest a lot in their academy. When Ancelotti was at Chelsea, they made an active decision to stop signing big players you know, 28, 29 years old for big money and start investing some of that money into their youth structure. And you're starting to see with the likes of Hudson-Odoi, mm. you know, the the fruits of that. So I think a lot of English clubs now are looking at that model. Um, I think Manchester United were the obvious example in yeah. England, but it's becoming key to a lot of clubs' philosophy. Yeah, I mean, like with De Jong and De Litt at Ajax, I think it's rare for any major club in Europe to produce two guys that good at that age yeah. right. from the same kind of class now yeah. because the margins are tiny. Right. Whereas yeah. before, the margins were bigger for clubs like Manchester United and Arsenal who mm. invested in their youth systems a lot earlier than a lot of people mm. when they made that transition to being an academy. That's yeah. an amazing point you've made. It's like this of the globalisation of expertise. Mm. You know, certain clubs coached the players a certain way and they came out better. But now, La Masia training techniques are available to everyone. Yeah. Mm. You know, so you, you're right. Like, so, and a way actually to get or to reduce competitive advantage for the big teams 
it's just to coach everyone incredibly well, which is why you look at like you look at um, La Liga now, and look how late a lot of the top games are decided. Look how tough it is for a team like Barca to beat a team like Girona, mm. whereas before they'd have hammered them. Mm. I mean, you started seeing this international level where you had like you know Ignis to beat Turkey eight 0 That's an un- that's an, un- that's an unthinkable scoreline now. Yeah, the margins are smaller, right? And it, that to me is so fascinating. How you almost wonder if there are clubs who think. We only really have an academy for political purposes because mm. fans want it. If we scrapped our academies and just bought players in the open market, it would actually be cheaper. I'm yeah. sure there's clubs that have thought that. I mean, that's the kind of what makes the achievements of a club like Athletic even more remarkable. Right. Is that their academy and their youth structure is so integral to the to the existence of that club. Yeah. And yeah, they still sign players as long as they're, you know, born within the basket area. But also as well, I think recently you've seen the role or the the reason behind having a strong academy change, it's not now just to produce players for the first team. It's also producing assets. Mm. Like you look at Hudson yeah. Odoi, for example. If he moves for forty million euros, yeah. he's played less than twenty games for Chelsea, basically. Yeah. You know that's an asset that you're producing without. So it's, it's key not to the just, business model because exactly. it's, it's some of them, uh, the ones that make the grade great. Yeah. They're, they're a, a good player that you haven't had to pay anything for. And the ones that don't, well, you've made a big profit. This is the key thing I think will, will be for Spurs going forward is mm-hmm. that they've got this really good crop of young players coming through. Yeah. Not all of those are going to nail down first team places, yeah. but they will provide Spurs with much needed revenue if we, they decide to sell and upgrade. We can, uh, we can get onto the problems at Spurs maybe in a bit, but the I think the, the one of the issues or one of the main issues at, at Tottenham is that Daniel Levy's seen the success of Harry Kane and thought, oh, great. Well, we can produce 11 Harry Canes, but it doesn't work like that. Right. Absolutely. No, I want to just have a quick, uh, give a quick shout out to Mark Cooper, um, who was one of the people that listened to this podcast in its early days, who wrote for the Celtic Underground website. And I think now scouts help scout players in South America. And the reason I mention this is because Mark wrote a, wrote a great essay, which summer on online, about the transfer strategy of Porto and Udinese. And about how these clubs basically, you know, I think Alexis Sanchez at Udinese, mm-hmm. they brought through these players and just sold them on this incredible premium. And I think Porto, I mean, at the time of writing the article, had made a profit of like over a billion euros on their players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that model, wow. if you, yeah, exactly. If you can get that model right. I mean, look at United, we bought Diogo Dalot for like, I think mm-hmm. 20 million, 30 million euros, 20 million. That guy's played hardly any games. And from Benfica, you know, sort of uh, competing club in Portugal, Lindelof, what two or three seasons at Benfica, and it's just this this incredible um, ability to exploit the inequalities in the transfer market. Mm. And I, I just hope, actually, you know, my hope is that clubs like not so much Athletic because they're constrained by who they can play, but you know, Spurs produce these players and then just reinvest it because I I, I love Spurs. You know, it's, it's not a secret. Though. I think they're an amazing club, but that lack of investment mm. we're now seeing in these these close games where you don't have, you know, Spurs aren't nicking games. They're not nicking games that they should be winning. Mm. They're not winning the close ones. You know, those games that you don't deserve to win. Mm. Spurs lose. And every the problem, my fear for Spurs is every time Spurs um, lose, it's a game they deserve to lose. Mm. And they only win games they deserve to win. I very rarely see Spurs win games they don't deserve to. Like, Steve, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The best teams win ugly and Spurs don't win ugly. Yeah. Man United sense. did it for years and years. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And this is not a criticism of Spurs. It's more a kind of like... Yeah. Spurs need to start winning ugly, I think. Mm. It's a big challenge for them. Yeah. More on Spurs a bit later, but another interesting transfer, one that intrigues me, I suppose, the most of the window, potentially. Alvaro Morata potentially going to Atletico Madrid on loan mm. with a view to long-term move. Your boy Alvaro. I just really like this guy. I know. I think it's because he's the kind of dude, if you lived, if you bumped into the local like supermarket, 
so West London, you wouldn't know what he did for a living and he wouldn't tell you. And he'd be really, he'd probably help like old people with their shopping. Like he's just a nice dude. <laughs> what makes you think that? Because David Louise was similar. David Louise would like, <laughs> when David Louise lived, lived in West London, he would meet these old ladies and he'd help them with shopping. And like, they just wouldn't right. know who he was. Yes. Okay, moving on. I see, I see him in that mould. I see him in that mould. Well, maybe he's been focusing too much on helping old ladies and not enough on his finishing. When he was at Juventus, I thought, okay, we've got a player here. Right. who's going to be one of the best in the in the world for the next few years. I remember that season towards, I think they, they that was a the season they reached the Champions League final, I think, 2015. Yeah. And he was unplayable, Yeah, but he's, he's regressed. And I just don't know why. Has he regressed or is he just, that's just his finishing? That's just what he... I think it's a, I think it's a bit of that and a mm. bit of just systemic stuff as well, though. Because I think that, I think that he really thrived in that Juve side and mm. they played two up front. Mm. When he went back to Real Madrid for a little bit, he kind of played not alone up front. And at Chelsea, he's been very much alone up front. Yeah. And I think that when he's been there, Chelsea have been through a couple of key, you know, two very different managers already, um, playing two very different ways. Mm. And you see this a lot in football. And this is something that, you know, we mentioned the NBA a lot because you, you and me used to follow it quite a lot. But there's a very key emphasis on fit in the NBA, you mm. know. Um, not just about how good a player is, but how they fit. You mm. see it when players, when people draft players. They, they, the player, they might be by far the best player in the draft, mm. but with what a team needs, it doesn't fit. So they go for someone lower down. You see this in football a lot of the times where, and it ha tends to happen a lot with strikers, that you buy a striker and then you just don't play a system that remotely plays to his, his strengths. Mm. So I think Morata will be better at Atleti. And Diego Simeone has a good track record of kind of uh, salvaging the careers of some players who you thought might be over. I'm thinking Diego Gabby. Costa and Gabby, actually. Mm. Yeah. Gabby was Gabby's on his last example. legs when, arrived at, when yeah. um, Simeone turned up and he it was a revelation. Yeah, and mm. Felipe Luiz is playing some great football this season. Um, quite a lot of players make that Chelsea to Atletico move actually thinking about it it's a good look to be honest that move and I just the reason I like it so much I think Thiago did it as well yeah. um, the reason I like it so much is because you've got a team that's just waiting to catch fire mm. you've got Thomas Lamar who's kind of like slipping through more key passes now he's getting into the rhythm of playing for Atleti and what I think finally might help Morata is the demand of Atletico Madrid is not just goals so he can contribute in other ways even if he doesn't score, Simeone will be like, you're helping the team because we don't score many goals here anyway. Like yeah. there's so much else to do at Atleti. Yeah. You know, if someone else needs to score, it can be Griezmann, but you have goals in you. So your primary responsibility may not be goal scoring. It's going to be link play, which we know you can do, bring the ball from deep, dropping wide, creating space for Griezmann. Like I suppose a more a more mobile version of Olivier Giroud in that sense. Mm. Well, that's right. actually like I some I would have loved to see more of a Giroud Morata partnership at Chelsea. Yeah. I actually think that that would have been really good for both of them. Yeah, the problem is of course with that that Sarri just the style that he's playing. Not the, he's, well, he's he's not wouldn't Sarri's have a front vibe. Two, yeah. and, but, and maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe that like actually it's more again a fit the other way. Like Morata doesn't really fit with what Sarri wants in terms of a striker and therefore this season's kind of been a little bit of a write off for him and therefore yeah. it just makes it just makes sense on a lot of And Sarri's levels. probably thinking he only needs one striker that plays like that. You know, someone who holds the ball, brings others into play. And he knows Higuain well and Higuain, yeah. you know, loves him. And I just want to see, I just want to see Atleti light up the Champions League. 
And I want Lamar Morata to like take flight. Really, should we flip it and look at Higuain to Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. That's inter- that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, this is a guy that scored goals. I mean, especially for Napoli, he was right. he was lethal. Didn't really catch on at at, at Milan, but I think who does um, these days? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Milan. But that's a, that's a systemic issue, isn't it? Yeah. Milan. It's just a challenge. Yeah. Talk yeah. about rebuilds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think Higuain has everything to be really successful at Chelsea. Actually, I'm a little bit excited about this transfer. Mm. Higuain. Yep. It puts some spice into the uh, into the title race, that's for sure. It's a fiery front line. Personality-wise as well, you're going from Ratu, who's very calm and placid on the field, mm. and then Higuain, who's not. Yeah, This so, is true, yes, it's true. I'm really looking, I hope they play him and Giroud together, because imagine the gestures that you're going to get from the pair of them. It's going to be, <laughs> oh. Do you know how you get certain players who they're not from the country they play in or make their name in, but they look like they're from there? So yeah. you look at Higuain, and I've never seen a player that looks more like he should be wearing a toga. <laughs> all the time like he looks like he was you know what I mean he looks very like I was like this guy should be in a toga With that, maybe it's the neck beard I don't know what it is but he, he looks so like he was suited to play in Serie A alright I'm going to move it on um, Perisic um, yeah. interesting looks like he's on his way to Arsenal had well, a transfer request yeah but Arsenal are only loaning players is that right yeah, I, last time I looked, it looked like it was going to be loaned till the end of the season with something like a 30-odd million pound fee okay. if they want it. But the last thing Arsenal really need is to sign another 30-year-old at the moment because yeah. they are due for a big overhaul in the next couple of years. Ozil's mm. 30, Aubameyang's 30, mm. um, Mkhitaryan's almost 30. 30, or he's about to turn 30. Wow. He's 29 until he's 30. Oh That's how it works. Aren't we, aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> and, um, but, you know, the, I don't really think... I think Perisic is someone that um, will help Arsenal out definitely until the end of the season. Yeah, He's not the kind of guy I would be looking at long term, especially for the money that he's going to command in terms mm. of wages. But Good player though. Yeah, good player. Was very heavily linked with Man United a few years ago. Yeah. Apparently turned it down. He saw it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Something um, in the woodshed. You know, he was good at, good at Dortmund. Yeah. Good at, when did he go after Bremen? Uh, Wolfsburg, I think. Wolfsburg, sorry, yeah. yeah. So yeah, intriguing. Not one that I'm kind of mad hyped about as an Arsenal fan but I think it's it's at the moment it's just about getting bodies Arsenal really need a defender yeah so bad I don't want to dwell on it but that was the thing you look at the Arsenal defence and it's well documented but Mm. the beauty of Arsenal at the moment to be honest is least the problems are easily identifiable much better to be like that than to be a kind of like a tooth decay team where you can't see where the yeah. immediate pain I mean, is coming from. Do it to me. I mean, like Arsenal not finished it. the Man United game in the cup with two centre midfielders and a left back playing centre back in a back four. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was, you know, whatever. All right. So Should moving we... it on, Leicester. This is a, su- a surprise. Just news on Monday morning that Leicester are possibly in for Yuri Tielemans, the Monaco <laughs> midfielder, 20 like, million. I don't like that. Um, I want to go to Manchester United. I want to can't, go can't, to Spurs. Can't, is get their blinkers off. He's wonderful. He's a very good player. Yeah. And wonderful. he would improve Leicester, I think, significantly. I mean, that's a hell in of a that, sign. That's, that's, that's a serious yeah. capture. Yeah, yeah. He has to have a word with his agent, though, because I'm not sure that... I mean, Tielemans is someone who, just two years ago, everyone was after. Mm-hmm. That's so, that, that reeks of football manager, that signing. <laughs> there are moves I've seen sometimes and certain midfielders have gone to clubs and I'm like, your stock is higher than that and you should aim a bit higher. Yeah, but also Monaco have been dreadful this season. Yeah, but and he's Euro Tielemans. Yeah, but still, I think that he he's not quite got the chops yet to command a move to, I think, an elite, elite, elite level thing. I think he's got. I think he's got to do one more. I think you're nodding at me like I've just done something really bad. I mean, I, I just think Tielemans to Leicester. I think he's terrific, and I just think that I think there's a slightly better club you could go to. 
at this point of his arc, if that's fair to say. Right, back from the break, we've got some questions. Ask away. Posted a tweet from the Rabona Twitter saying, any questions for the podcast? And then proceeded to get some very cheeky questions about Arsenal. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Shouts to Jenna. Did you prefer the Millie Rock or the Moonwalk? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Because So I blocked. I blocked everyone who asked me. <laughs> no, no. Jenna like, asked you that. Yeah, and another one, Namdi David. What about the rumours that Pasha are mulling over a bid for the naming rights of the Arsenal Stadium? Oh, wow. You really asked for it. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. You need to take that on the chin and be like, why are they sending for me? Because people aren't sending for me. I think it's because I reposted it saying, no questions relating to Arsenal's defence, please. <laughs> could be that, yeah. Could be. It's just funny they sent for you. It's funny that two people nah, sent you. Know. you. Uh, I think this one's for Musa. Oh, from Sean, who's at... Shawm. Is Marco Silva a fraud? Oh, no, he's not a fraud. Okay, let me rephrase. Is he a catfish? (laughs) (laughs) That word again. No, he's not. He's just coaching in a very, very, very good division. And he's coaching at the level he should be coaching at. That's it, really. Like, you look at all these clubs, and now the tree has been shaken, and like, you know, the, the league has fallen the kind of position it should be in. We've never had this quality of coaching in the Premier League before. It's optimal. Like, it, it's so impressive. The, like, in terms of top-to-bottom quality of coaching, I don't mean the three at the top. I mean, like week in, week out, the quality of expertise in terms of the coaching is terrific. And each coach brings a difficult tactical approach. You might argue that Marco Silva is slightly underachieving, given the resources at his disposal. But at the same time, you look at the league table, it's pretty much where it should be, isn't it? I don't think he's a fraud, but Everton concede way too many goals to to be a, a, considered a top team. And that happened under Roberto Martinez. Right. And it's happening under Marco Silva. And the previous editions of Marco Silva haven't been that great either. I mean, he he started well at Hull, but ultimately they were relegated, lost their last game 7-1 at home to Spurs, fired by Watford, and they've improved since. And he's not doing well at Everton. And I, I don't want to say he's a fraud, but I kind of agree with the question to an extent. Like, I just don't think he's he's cutting it. He's not an elite manager. I think that's the thing. I think that the Premier League has humbled him. Uh, so if you look at where they are in the league, Everton, they're three points behind Watford. Watford have fewer resources. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to drop you know, these same sums that Everton drop on players. Yeah. Um, Everton have a pretty talented cast, yeah. a pretty talented squad. And you have to say that actually, if you gave Eddie Howe the Everton job, mm. I think you'd see a better a better. I team. think so. And, if you'd, and also Everton have ambitious owners. You know, there's a new stadium coming, Bramley Moor. And as you say, I mean, 50 million on Sigurdsson. I think it was 50 million, right? Well, that's got me thinking, Eddie Howe at Everton. Can you imagine? That would be a game changer, I think. That could work. That could work. That would be do a you know really what? nice Do you know what? Everton, Goodison Park has been the graveyard for a lot of top coaches. I mean, I'm thinking Ronald Koeman recently as well. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's a tricky I, one. I, I I, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit, jury's out on Koeman because I think he's more of an international manager. Mm. He did a good job at Southampton. Did an incredible job he, at Southampton. I just think he made the wrong move to, really? to Everton. Yeah, I think he left too soon yeah. at Southampton. But I mean, yeah, Everton though conceded one more goal than Arsenal. Mm. Same amount of goals as Manchester United. That's so lot, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of to goals. To be honest, they, like, they, below, they below this, che- like Chelsea down, like people are conceding goals left, right, and centre. They have this zonal marking system that Marco <laughs> Silva just persists with, and 
it, it they just do not look solid whatsoever. They also have too many number 10s and they need a proper striker. Yeah. I mean, coaches deserve time. And I always think back to the first year of Pochettino where it was kind of average. And, you know, he was given time and it's worked out. Mm. Can I just say one thing? I want to say one more thing. Thank you, because that's an excellent question. <laughs> yeah, it's a great yeah, question. Yeah. Um, we've got another question from Joe Gould. And this actually came in a couple of days ago, but I forgot to reply to him. Uh, he's at 12th Yank on Twitter. And he said, since you live in Berlin, do you go to Hertha games? Hertha fan here. He's from. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Short answer, Joe, is not in the winter because it's freezing at the <laughs> Olympiastadion. It's uh, the highest point in Berlin and in the, and it's very cavernous. And in the winter, it is very, very, very cold. Yeah, last game I went there was uh, Hoffenheim. When was that? November, maybe? Good game. That was it. quite a few goals. 3-3, three, three, yeah. Hertha are playing uh, Bayern Munich on the 6th of February, so... Uh, Maybe we'll be going. We'll be at that game. Yeah, maybe. Uh, another question from our friend Mashal St. Paddy. Oh, Mash the good St. Paddy. Man himself. Uh, this is probably one for Michael, I reckon. He kind of mentioned it, but views on Alfonso Davis debut and would Callum Hudson Odoi walk straight into the Bayern team? I suppose we kind of covered the, the Hudson Odoi stuff. Yeah. But Alfonso. Yeah, he um, he only played a few minutes, so it's difficult to, to judge. I think he's going to have to um, kind of settle for five, ten minutes for most games um, he's he's very much a young player who needs to establish himself at a club where the hierarchy is very solid but he has great technical ability he's lightning fast his first touch is amazing um, I think he's someone who can really add something like a bit of an X factor to to Bayern so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing more of him I'll certainly be watching watching out for him in the coming weeks alright one more from Hamdan at Hamdan EB1. Uh, why do you think that Duvan Zapata is not on the radar of more Premier League teams? Surely he is one of the most informed number nines in the world right now. Scored at the weekend for Atalanta. I agree he is under the radar. I mean, to be honest, I've not seen as much of him as I would have liked. He hasn't played for Colombia for some time, has he? He's only, yeah, he was left out of the squad for the World Cup. Played a few friendlies before the World yeah. Cup. But I mean, he's having his best season by far. Mm. But isn't there something about strikers brought in from abroad and being unsure whether they're going to score or deliver. Look at someone like Soldado, for example, or Vincent Janssen. You've got these brilliant players who come in with these great reputations and deserve it, deservedly so. And they come to the Premier League and for whatever reason, it's hard to transfer that across. So almost it's like clubs are waiting for someone else to take a chance on them before they take a chance on them. Yeah. I think also as well at the age that he is, so he's 27, right? 15 goals in 21 league games this season mm. for Atalanta. But I think that say if he was 23, resale value I think with that record I think more people would probably take a punt on him yeah. but I mean his previous best goal scoring record was actually the season before this one where he got um, 11 in 31 for Sam it's a gamble it's a tricky it? one I mean I could see him I could see him making a Premier League move I'm not sure if actually do you know what we were talking about before it might be depending on price could be someone like Everton would take a gamble on someone the problem like that. With that. The problem with that is people know that Everton are going to spend that money and so the premium just gets yanked up. He might actually, to be honest, he might well be on their radar. They wouldn't be unaware of someone with a record like that, but then mm. they're like, well... I know, yeah, I mean, I also think price. that some of the signings that you're going to see to the Premier League from Serie A are going to be a lot more like Torreira, mm. kind of slightly under the radar... 20 to 25 million euro kind of price. Mm. And I mean, Torreira is 21, so, or 22 or whatever. So, yeah, tricky one. Maybe we'll ask James Horncastle when we next get him on the show. <laughs> Can I say, these are all great questions and we encourage 
many more of their type, including questions trolling right about Arsenal, because I, there's not enough of that on the podcast. Yeah, and if no one does it, I will. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you know, as long as I don't, <laughs> I don't get trolled enough by these two. So yeah, sure, why not? Pile on, pile on. Um, but yeah, thanks for the questions. Any more cool. questions, tweet us individually or at Robonamag or yeah. can we email? Hello at Robonamag.com. There, there you we go. go. Another break. I need a coffee refill. Why not? Yeah. Back from the break, one of us is happy. Musa's beloved Manchester United went to the Emirates and danced their way to victory. Yeah. I'm not happy. Oh, come on. I'm not happy because you're not happy. I don't, oh, no, I don't, no, I don't derive it. No, no, no. Don't derive any pleasure. United counter-attacking to, to score a third goal at Arsenal. Mm. Not sure we've seen that before. Not at all. <laughs> no? no, not at all. I wanted to say about the FA Cup because a lot of football podcasts cover it in detail. Right. And... I salute them for that because I find the FA Cup early rounds really overwhelming. There's a lot of games. Really hard to keep on top of. Yeah. And also, I mean, we don't kind of tend to do match by match run throughs anyway. So right. I think that if you did, you know, that helps. But yeah, oh, I, could, I couldn't, I was like swimming in football this weekend. I didn't know where to go. You know what? 13, I think, of the 20 Premier League teams are out already. That's nuts. Ah. 13 of 20. That's incredible. You know, I think that part of the part of the reason that the big clubs not don't take it seriously but they have to prioritize and the fact that there's they have to play quarterfinals in march semifinals in april final in may it's at a time when liverpool man city are they've basically got bigger fish to fry and i think there's an argument that the to to preserve the fa cup the uh, the League Cup should be scrapped because then that would allow the FA Cup, you could bring it forward a bit, maybe have the final in March, something like that. And I don't know, I don't want to just see the big teams like have it easier, right? but I just want to see an FA Cup that's like competed for. That's I, think, I think the League really Cup shouldn't have Premier League sides in it, personally. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Because that's a football for- League Cup. Yeah, oh, but this is something that would never happen, but would be amazing. But still give him a Europa League spot. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know what would well, be really cool as well? Hashtag for the good of the game. Here's something as well. Here's something as well. <laughs> have a wild card. So have a non-league club in there. Yeah. So like have a, a football league, like championship and below. Yeah. But then have like a kind of a wild card of like two non-league clubs. No, nah, it's the Football League Cup though. No, but then I'd like the idea of just like, just the joker in the pack. <laughs> Come yeah, on, maybe. why not? Why not? But I, th- I, I think that the, I mean, you may hear some clubs from 10 down in the Premier League, like wanting to participate in the League Cup. Right. Yeah. But I often think that those, those for those teams, a lot of the time, they're, they're focused on staying up. Yeah. That's especially, true. this is what I mean, especially at that time of year where it's those crunch games between March and May, you have to like win yeah. to stay up. I think now, especially that like the top six is the top six and it's yeah. not the top four or the top three, like it was five, 10 years ago. But and it's the so... League Cup is attractive to the bigger teams because it's done and dusted by February. The finals, February 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know what? If you had a league, that's actually a brilliant suggestion. If FA Cup final in March, you'd get a lot of people pushing back on that to start with you would yeah. but here's the thing if you made a weekend out of it you made it like you know FA Cup in March and bring back all the other traditions of it mm. right so having you know the, you know like Villa Liverpool, Park Liverpool in white yeah, suits and, and, <laughs> <laughs> no but really make it a grand like a stand a really sort of grand standalone a chance for clubs to win early season silverware 
and almost like set the tone for the rest of the season as exactly, well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just a great idea. Moving it forward to March is great. Very yeah. forward thinking. It could, I think it's a good. I mean, they're not, not competing with the sort of the Champions League as well and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it just it just doesn't. Great you idea. know, at come May, like no matter where you are in the football pyramid, you've got something else that you really need to play for. So right. unless you're mid table and you mm. can't go in, get into Europe or go down, yeah. or get promoted into the playoffs or whatever. Yeah, it's, the downside to the suggestion, of course, is the smaller clubs will say you're just making it easier for the, the, the bigger ones. But uh, it's actually more about preserving the the uh, prestige of the tournament. Well, saying that, though, you know, we had a few big results this weekend. Wimbledon beating West Ham. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that would change if the final was in March. No, right. true, you know, true, and true. I think that that was, that was a massive result for Wimbledon. Yeah. And, you know, Shrewsbury and Wolves going to a replay mm-hmm. who else there was a couple of really big ones well there's lots of palace I mm. really liked Andros Townsend's tweet to that guy did you see that no where some guy tweeted at him saying something like you played like 50 games in 7 years and you're not celebrating like kind of get... <laughs> and he was like actually mate it was however many games and I was there from the age of eight. Yeah. So right, yeah. told. Yeah. Yeah. Townsend was, was he's been great against in, in all of these big games that Palace have played recently. He scored in all of them. Man City scored that thunderous volley. He's the Robin Hood Liverpool. of Premier League Liverpool football. Liverpool scored. He's basically just coming and just like <laughs> taking the stash back to South <laughs> London. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Connor Wickham's first goal in his first start for something like, what was it, three years or something? Yeah. He was sort of the Bojan of English youth football, wasn't he? He was scoring so many goals, Conor Wickham. Like, he was just so far ahead of his class. If anyone's and- going to score their first goal in three years, it's going to be against Spurs. That oh, no. Um, no. Yeah, it's, it's a, all a bit Waitrose, isn't it? It's just not quite the elite content. You know, you look at Spurs right now and it's kind of like... I mean, I thought Waitrose was like wasn't that high the, end. Isn't well, that the it, depends, it depends what circles... <laughs> it depends, sorry. It depends what circles you're moving in. I mean, um, you look at Spurs and they're kind of like... What supermarket do you want hang to on, Hang on, hang on, hang on. I think this is important. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Can no, you no, tweet no. us at Rabonamag your tiered <laughs> supermarket? Listen, listen. Those those who know, know. Those who know, know what I'm talking about. Well, hang on, about. right. So what's Champions League? Right, we need to, right, so we need Champions League, Europa League, mid-table, relegation zone. Tier your supermarket. Don't worry, this is a conversation about, you know, the footballing. And which one of them does Alvaro Morata shop in? Wow. Ooh. Do you know what? I'm not going to drop him in it. Listen, <laughs> that's, that's what you call deflection. Look, let's get back to Spurs. Spurs, it's like, you know, it's it's high quality, but it's not it's not the very top table. And yeah. this is the problem I have with Spurs. It's like they said before the Pochina project doesn't need to win trophies to be validated. Okay, that's fine. I get that. At the same time, and this is I think I said this before, Spurs don't win ugly. Mm-hmm. When Spurs win, they deserve to win. But Spurs don't steal the close games. Juventus Champions League. They didn't win. Totally. Right? Do you know what, this, this? This is my frustration with them. Do you know what I think? The lineup from from Spurs this weekend with no Ericsson, um, he was available but didn't play. Out of the Tonga was taken off at halftime. I think like it was almost a message from Pochettino to the board. Like this is what you've given me: three key players out, Kane, Son, Ali. But I can't keep playing Ericsson every week. You know, it's a message. It's a message from Pochettino. I'm convinced of that. Um, and that's why he's persevering with with Llorente when he knows he's got other options that would be more suitable. And Spurs have a wonderful first 11. But when one of them is out, two of them are out. But at the moment, they've got five or six players like unavailable or fatigued or at the Asian Cup or whatever. And they just don't have that drop off from Kane, Ali and Son to what they have is is frankly not good enough and you know this is a key period for Daniel Levy like he either invests 
and he shows he's serious about this project. He can't continue like um, turning a profit. You know, he's done it really well, but he's been helped by a world-class coach. And at the moment, I wouldn't blame Pochettino for leaving Spurs. Do you think he understands? Do you think Levy understands just what he's got? I don't know that he does. I don't think he does. He can't. I don't think he can. I don't think so. I think he seems to... It's almost like a few years ago, like Spurs didn't have a left-sided player. It was just so obvious that they just needed that and it would be significantly better. And it was like he just refused to like give the money to to, to sign these players. It's almost like he's, he's very, very stubborn. And Levy's argument is probably like this stubbornness has got us this far. You can yeah. argue, you can see how he would, yeah. but he almost needs to um, delegate or work with an alter ego or someone who's slightly spikier who mm. gets him out of his comfort zone. Because I remember when, when they brought in Sissoko, they spent 30 million on Sissoko mm. and that money could have gone towards a game-changing player. Mm. And the conservatism of Levy was interesting there because if they bought a kind of young Ericsson, you, you know, or, or a player like a kind of a Sancho, a player that like really is a game breaker. And this was pre-Neymar, so money, 30 right. million went a bit further. Right, right. And to me, that the Sissoko signing, I looked at that, I look at that as a pivotal point for Spurs. So I think if you'd bought a game-breaking player then, mm. like a couple of players, a Mares and a fullback, yeah. that would have, Spurs could have won that league. But you know what? There's players at the moment that are knocking about who are available. Spurs kind of strike me a little bit like, you know, you see, you know, like a beautiful mind, the film, and you see all the big like yes. formulae on yeah. the wall. When it's all there, it's, perfect almost. right yeah Do you know what i mean you take one piece out or you make one typo and the whole thing just goes to shit so <laughs> i like this like, analogy but we, me and michael were chatting the day after the chelsea game in the carabao cup and i just kind of said that massive reactions after that game are just completely uncalled for because at the end of the day they lost to a side on penalties like we were saying earlier, the margins are so small and the players Spurs had out, when they went 2-0 down, yeah. you know, bringing it back to penalties anyway. So, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I think it's going to be a really, really key off-season for Spurs at, at the end of the season. The problem but you know is, what? Every, yeah, sorry. every Sorry, Musa, but every off-season is a key off-season for yeah. Spurs. And do you know what? I don't think it's about anymore like who Spurs are going to sign. It's can they keep hold of Christian Eriksen, for yeah, example? True. His contract is winding down. He's been in negotiations and he hasn't said that, you know, he hasn't said anything to make Tottenham fans think he's going to go, but Spurs are looking. Spurs fans are looking at this now and thinking, oh "My God, if Real Madrid come in for Eriksson, the whole thing falls apart because him and Kane are so crucial." But have you ever seen Spurs need a, a defender so 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 bad, and then sign Andre Shavin? <laughs> Oh my goodness. So what you've got to remember is that Yeah, but he was a cult sign. Could for always get worse. <laughs> you know, was it the What a consolation that's pessimists is. say it's uh, half the glass is half empty. Optimists yeah. say it's half full. Yeah. Spurs fans Spurs break the glass. Fans, <laughs> buy more glasses. Can yeah. I say one thing as well from a purely from a storyteller's perspective? I love the way this podcast has evolved from a conversation about short term transition with transfers into a wider conversation. Should we let people in behind the curtain as well? We had no idea what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> This is the world's first free jazz football podcast. It's yeah. improv. It was so improv. We should have had a round of applause after every point. Yeah. You can add those in afterwards. Yeah, well. Can I say, audience, thank you so much for joining us, bearing with us. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. This was a slightly warmer podcast. That's why the conversation was perhaps more toasty. fruitful and yeah, toasty. Um, the takes were certainly hotter. Um, Ryan, thanks again. Wonderful to have you here. Michael, lovely. And most of all, most importantly, our listeners, thank you so much. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Please leave review please spread the word you can find us on social media on all the usual channels at Rabona Mag. have a lovely week catch you soon <laughs>